Hey folks, attorney Andrew Branca here for Law of Self-Defense with my ongoing coverage and analysis of the popcorn murder trial of Curtis Reeves. So yesterday was the second day of testimony in the murder trial of Curtis Reeves, the retired Tampa SWAT captain who shot and killed Chad Olson in a local movie theater in January 2014 after the two men had a verbal altercation that became physical. The shot that killed Chad Olson also penetrated the hand of his wife, Nicole Olson, leading to a second charge of aggravated battery. If convicted on both charges, the 79-year-old Curtis Reeves is looking at a mandatory minimum of 50 years in prison, a sentence unlikely to be served in full for obvious reasons. Yesterday's continued presentation by the state of its case-in-chief was remarkable, less for the strength of the state's narrative of guilt, which has not been very robust, than it was for the strength of the defense cross-examination of state witnesses. This performance of the defense on cross continues a very solid cross-examination of Nicole Olson the day prior, but follows an almost shockingly poor opening statement by the defense on Monday morning. The state's opening was also not great, coming across as intentionally deceptive and full of half-truths and deceptive phrasing, as we described in our analysis of yesterday. By the way, you can find all our coverage, written analysis, and video analysis of this trial, as well as preceding events at lawofselfdefense.com slash popcorn. It's perhaps worth noting uh, or taking a moment to review the two competing narratives in this case. First, the state's narrative of guilt is essentially that Curtis Reeves shot and killed Chad Olson out of malice when Olson acted disrespectfully to the retired police officer, cursing at him in the open theater in front of Reeves' wife and others. After Reeves triggered, the state is attempting to misleadingly argue provoked the confrontation by complaining about Olson's cell phone use in the theater as Olson was seated immediately in front of Reeves. The verbal confrontation escalated to the physical, according to the state, when Olson seized Reeves' popcorn from his hands and flicked it back at Reeves. At that point, Reeves drew a 380 caliber Caltech pistol and fired the single round that would penetrate Nicole Olson's hand and strike Chad Olson fatally in the chest. The state has attacked the defense claim of self-defense on essentially every element of self-defense with varying degrees of credibility, including attacking the element of innocence on the grounds that it was Reeves who triggered the confrontation by initiating contact, mere verbal contact, with Olson, attacking eminence on the grounds that whatever threat Olson may have posed was already over when the shot was fired, attacking proportionality on the grounds that whatever threat Olson may have posed was unlikely to have inflicted death or grave bodily harm, and attacking reasonableness on the grounds that even if Reeves had a genuine, good-faith, subjective perception of a grave bodily harm attack, that perception was objectively unreasonable. The element of avoidance is generally off the table as a target of attack on the facts of this case, given Florida's stand-your-ground status. By the way, if you're unfamiliar with those five elements of self-defense law, I would encourage you to download our free, 100% free, infographic, Five Elements of Self-Defense Law at lawofselfdefense.com slash elements. What about the defense narrative of self-defense? 
Well, essentially, it's that Curtis Reeves shot and killed Chad Olson in self-defense after Olson engaged in physical aggression that was reasonably perceived by Reeves as using and threatening eminent force reasonably likely to inflict grave bodily harm upon him. Prior to seizing Reeves' popcorn, according to the defense, the six-foot-four-inch, 43-year-old Olson had hurled angry F-bombs, turned in his seat, stood up and leaned aggressively over the then 71-year-old in frail health, forcibly struck Reeves in the temple with a hard object, presumably a cell phone, then continued to throw his hands at Reeves in the process of seizing and hurling his popcorn. The defense is placing great weight on their claims of Reeves' purportedly frail health and therefore exceptional vulnerability to grave bodily harm at the hands of the much younger and very large attacking Chad Olson. Indeed, so aggressive was Chad Olson's conduct that his own wife, Nicole, placed her hand on his chest to restrain him. So it was that the single shot fired by Reeves in self-defense passed through her hand and into her husband's chest with fatal results. Now, the prosecution moved through a full eight witnesses yesterday, with the court thankfully keeping a good pace throughout the day. This is important, as the court has stated its expectation that the trial will not extend beyond the end of next week. It's worth noting, however, that the self-defense immunity hearing held in this case back in 2017 itself took a full two weeks. The first four witnesses for the state were all eyewitnesses who were also planning on viewing the movie to be played in the theater, which happened to be the recently released Lone Survivor. Video of their testimony, and indeed the testimony of every other of yesterday's witnesses, is embedded in the text version of today's content. Remarkably, all four witnesses were clearly biased in favor of the state and hostile in demeanor and presentation of evidence towards the defense. Each of these witnesses obviously and deliberately parsed their language on direct questioning by the state to attempt to present their testimony in the light most consistent with guilt of the defendant. And this is where the defense really stepped up and did an outstanding job. Their cross-examination of each of these four witnesses was effective at exposing their biased presentation of their testimony and without overreaching or becoming excessively hostile. With the possible exception of the cross-examination of Alan Hamilton. Alan Hamilton had at the time been an out-of-jurisdiction police officer who observed some of the confrontation between Reeves and Olson, was present for the fatal shot, and who would secure Reeves' gun from him afterwards. Defense counsel Escobar was quite aggressive in his cross-examination of Hamilton, and for good reason. On direct testimony by the state immediately prior to cross, Hamilton had described Olson's conduct as largely inoffensive. This was in sharp contrast to his testimony in a written statement made the day of the event in which Hamilton had described Olson as leaning over his own seat so as to tower over the still-seated Reeves, obviously a far more aggressive posture than Hamilton had described on direct questioning. Further, Hamilton appeared completely unwilling and unable to reconcile these two disparate views of Olson's conduct to the point of coming across as thoroughly biased in favor of the state. If you have time to watch only one of the video clips of yesterday's testimony, again, those are embedded in the text version of today's content, which you can find at lawofselfdefense.com slash popcorn, I suggest you prioritize Attorney Escobar's cross-examination of Alan Hamilton. That said, the defense cross-examination of the remaining four witnesses of the day, all the witnesses really, uh, 
And the last four witnesses of the day were all, at the time of the event, involved in the law enforcement investigation of the shooting, were all well done and well worth watching. Now, before uh, we go on to the video of yesterday's testimony, I'll remind all of you that I will be providing real-time commentary and analysis of today's trial proceedings over at the Rakaida Law YouTube channel as a guest of attorney Nick Rakaida, as I will be doing for each day of this trial. If you'd care to join me there today, uh, you can do so by searching for Rakaida Law on YouTube and picking out the third day of trial coverage for today. All right, folks, that's all I have for you today, except, of course, for the video of yesterday's testimony, again, embedded in the text version of today's content, which, again, you can find at lawofselfdefense.com slash popcorn. Until we meet again, remember, if you carry a gun, so you're hard to kill. That's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill. My family is hard to kill. You also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law, so you're hard to convict. Until we meet again, I remain Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.